This is the Hallmarkies podcast, and we are here for our Wind Calls the Hallmarkies podcast. We're talking Wind Calls the Heart, and I'm Rachel, and Amber is here. Hi, everybody. And Ruth uh, Hill is also here with us. Hey, nice to see everybody again. Here we go. Yeah, so uh, this is our second episode of this uh, series. You want to make sure that you check out last week's episode where we talked about the premiere dive right in and talk about the latest episode episode two season five hearts and minds and so amber what was your overall reaction to this episode um i was like fine with it and then they showed me the newspaper and i got really mad (laughs) real fast i went from like three to a 15 um but we'll go into that and it's not really like i mean i guess it is show related but it's not yeah. like because of anything the characters are doing yeah. but we'll, we'll talk about it we will, it's, a big, we will. it's a big hot topic for me <laughs> yeah. ruth what about you what do you think of this one for me i saw this as i had no problem with the episode i personally thought of it more as a filler episode because we know that i mean everybody already knew when jack was supposed to come back and it's just in some ways because you already knew that and all the word had gotten out and everybody's talking about that i felt like in some ways yeah the episode was fine but i felt like they were filling time on some of the some of the words yeah 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 i think so for me as well i'm basically on the same page as you ruth um, it's it, it was kind of a forgettable episode, and what really surprised me so much is so many of the plot plot lines of the. I think what made it feel extra filler was that so many of the plot lines from the premiere were kind of dropped. You don't see Gowan in this episode at all. You don't see Jesse at all. You don't see Clara at all. And uh, I mean, you so, do see Clara, but she doesn't well, do anything other than sell a dress. But yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And, uh, and so there's nothing about that storyline, though, that they started. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was just kind of weird to me that um, I feel like this is an episode you could have had at almost any point in the season. Yeah. I, in some ways, I wish that they had not told us when Jack was coming back. Yeah, like, I agree. I really think that that, I understand why they did it, but knowing that going into this episode, just for me, made it like, well, it seemed kind of ridiculous for, well, you know, nothing's going to happen to Jack because he's coming back next week. And so I, I, I wish they hadn't told us. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Definitely. So we start out with Julie learning to be a teacher. And she there's she's trying to teach the kids how to draw. And I, I did think I had a pretty good joke on my Twitter when she's doing that, when she's doing that big circle drawing. And I said, I didn't know they had... Uh, <laughs> Win, lose, or draw in Hope Valley. <laughs> I want Julie and Rosemary to be on my team. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I was pretty proud of that one. That was good. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, she's trying to teach them uh, how to draw. And uh, Elizabeth kind of gives her this lesson about how she has to give this girl a B, which wanted to give her an A because she didn't follow the instructions given and include a person in the drawing. Uh, Amber, what do you think of this? Well, first of all, I was like, a B minus? That's kind of harsh. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, they're children. Give her, like, an A minus. Because she did a, she did 95% of the assignment. 
Because I didn't yeah. just do a landscape with a person. If she had just done like a little stick figure, would she have gotten an A? I guess so. Yeah, that was the impression I got. Anyway, but I mean, I understand like we're teaching them to follow rules and things, but also a B minus, <laughs> that's a big deduction yeah. in the grade. Also, it's so funny, um, when I was watching it and Julie wrote her A like that on that first paper, I was so confused. Like, why would anyone write their A like that? And then I realized it was setting it up so she could just quickly change it into a B. Yeah. yeah. I also thought it was funny that she was, like, grading them in crayon. I mean, what was she use Like, what was that utensil that she was using to write with? Yeah. I don't well, know. I don't think they had like A's and B's back then, but but yeah. that, right. um, but that's okay. We, this is not a historically accurate show, but obviously this was supposed to show that Elizabeth was teaching her about being a tough teacher. Yeah, right, right. Which I don't also want to be like Elizabeth. You've never been tough with any of your students. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, that now that plot line. I mean, not that I didn't like it, but coming from a teacher's perspective, it. Um, I I um are are we are we bringing up the part um the, the whole little, thing? That yeah, was yeah we should just say spoiler. This is a spoiler okay. part. Okay, okay. Yeah. The thing Sorry. About, the thing about where um where Robert wanted to see the paper and then he tore it in half. And yeah okay that particular thing and the way personally for me elizabeth made way too much of that now i understand the parents might be upset and you have to work through that but i have t i've been a, i've been a teacher i mean i actually still do go into the classroom and if that happened in the classroom i'd say oh i'm so sorry you know we'd see if we could repair it but um it seemed a little bit much i thought that the girl would actually go home at lunchtime. Yeah. That. And then Elizabeth saying, well, you shouldn't have just, I, I actually thought, oh, Julie, you handled that really well. And then Elizabeth comes back and says, no, you didn't handle it well. And I'm thinking, okay, I've been a teacher and I would have handled it similarly to that. And I've never really had a problem because it wasn't like somebody, yeah, the paper got ruined. Do you know how many times papers get ruined in a yeah. classroom? Yeah. And it was, and it was like, I thought he, I thought Robert had apologized. Maybe he didn't. Maybe I. Oh my gosh. He did. Like, it was so okay. crazy. Okay, okay. I was, this was driving me crazy. So okay. he accidentally rips it and he's like, oh no, I'm so sorry. And he emphasis yeah. on the accidentally rips it. Yeah. And yeah. the girl's upset. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. They handle it. It's okay. Yeah. And then Elizabeth comes and is like, you should have made robert apologize blah 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 okay. and then like he did apologize and then That's what I thought. Yes. and then in front of elizabeth and julie robert's like to the girl again he's yes. like i'm so sorry and then after that elizabeth is like you need to make sure that robert apologizes i did think that was just a little bit of an overkill because i i i don't know i realized I, I mean, it's not like this girl is a kindergartner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where when you're in kind, and I understand those things happen, but but it wasn't <coughs> it wasn't like he came out of nowhere and like tore the paper in half and threw it in a big wad and threw it across the classroom. Say, you're terrible at art. Go home. Right. 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 I. I, and, and I know sometimes what happens is then parents make too much of it. 
I know that does happen. But then you just smooth it over and and then I couldn't understand why, okay, if Julie's the one at fault and Elizabeth wanted to make a big deal of this, then she should have brought Julian and said, okay, now you need to talk to the parent and say what happened. But we never saw that. It was Elizabeth talking to the parent. Julie, I don't think, was ever brought in to talk to the parent. She should have been she should, if the parent was that upset and she could have addressed it. And I would think that if, if I had been the mother, it would have been like, oh, my daughter just made too much of it. It's okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I was... I, I yeah. it's um I know I'm gonna get oh yeah I probably will too this. I know people are gonna be like you're a hater go back to Coal Valley um because it, it's not Coal Valley anymore right <laughs> um right. but I was so irritated with Elizabeth this whole episode with teaching yeah. Julie how to be a teacher yes because yeah. personally I feel like all the time that Elizabeth is. A, too involved in her children, her students' mm -hmm. lives. Like, sometimes it really is none of your business mm -hmm. what, you know, a family decides to do on their own personal family time. Mm -hmm. Unless it's, like, endangering the child. But, like, whatever. Yada, yada. We understand. And right. then also, like, when she's in school, like, she totally has favorites. And mm -hmm. she completely mollycoddles the kids. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, and it's her. It's her class in the end. Like she can't blame on Julie. And kind of bummed out that uh, they closed this sort of portion of the story of Julie and and Elizabeth so soon because I feel like it was it had so much potential mm -hmm. to to make Elizabeth a more interesting character because right. Julie was kind of teaching her different ways and like Julie was way more fun than Elizabeth for sure. Yeah. Those kids were probably devastated to lose Julie because she's like playing games with them and like drawing and right. super fun. And so I don't know. I was kind of bummed that that all got kind of wrapped up this episode. I know. And speaking, and, and I was also thinking, speaking practically, I think it's great if Julie wants to go off and be an artist. I think you should. That's fantastic. But I'm thinking of, okay, in my position, I'm trying to be a writer, but I'm actually still a teacher so I can support myself. Yeah. So it makes sense. She's not just going to all of a sudden be able to go off. I, well, I mean, I guess unless her parents, you know, just give her a whole lump of money where she can go off and do it. But I don't think, she, but I think Julie doesn't want that. I think Julie wants to be independent of her parents. I think that's why she came out West. And so it would make sense have her stay in the classroom. I mean, I'm hoping that she comes back and they at least let her stay in the classroom because it would make sense. Let her stay and do some teaching. Just give her the art segment, have her teach art, have her play with the yeah. kids. And then she could pursue the art stuff kind of um, on, you know, she could kind of do part-time teaching, part-time uh, pursuing the art stuff. Yeah. And I, think that's good. I, think that, I think that'd be really good for her and yeah. I think be good for Elizabeth too. And I think it would be good for the kids back yes. to the Robert and mm -hmm. I don't remember the girl's name situation. Right. right. Because by not making a huge deal out of it, she mm -hmm. was able to get the children to solve it for themselves. Right. Which is way better than having someone just intervene for you. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, there's two other kind of big plot lines in this episode. The first one is this guy from the railroad comes in and he says, there's no station in Hope Valley. And uh, everyone is very mad at Abigail for letting this happen. 
right. even though what is she supposed to do? And, uh, and so this poor guy, I felt really bad for him. Like, I mean, and, and they even outed, he's like an orphan. I mean, this guy is <laughs> really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. What do you think of this whole plot line? Ruth. Let's go to Ruth. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, when that particular character, Mr. Weston, isn't that the, that was the character's name, wasn't it? From the railroad. Mr. Weston, I think was his name. I, I believe, believe that's true. That's I believe correct. that's true. Um, so he came on the screen and I was like, I know that guy. Who is that guy? Because part of it is I wasn't used to seeing him in period dress and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and thinking, and all of a sudden it dawned on me who it was, but I didn't want to say it until I looked it up to be sure, because of course it wasn't on IMDb. So I was thinking, okay, I'm going to see if other people think that it, that it's who I think it is. And so it was Cameron Bancroft, um, who is from Cedar Cove. Yeah, uh, people are going to recognize him as Olivia's brother. Um, and then also he was in the first wedding march. In fact, um, oh, yeah, was, you're right. Yeah. He, yeah, there's that great scene where, um, where, where I believe Jack, Jack Wagner's character knocks him out, if I remember right. Um, yeah, he plays Olivia's, um, yeah, 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 boyfriend, yeah, right, Beyonce. And so for me, because I've interviewed that actor, um, and he's not it's not we we have this connection in fact i i um sent him a message after the show and said it was so nice to see you because i i really i i'm i'm a fan of his and i know that his part wasn't major i realized that but it was in but it was an important part to the show i mean for mm-hmm. the that plot line and it was so nice to see him and so i sent this message and and he was he, he he's always glad to hear from me so that that was that was nice and so yeah. for me that was actually one of the highlights of the episode was having him and watching him and jack wagner's character watching him watching him and bill that that whole exchange that was going on between them i liked that i liked you thought that was funny i thought it was um, i am just super mad at bill avery all the time so like <laughs> I just don't understand. I cannot reconcile how people are like, Bill Avery is one of the good guys because he like all the time right, is right. just like breaking rules, using his position of power and abusing right. it and imposing his will on other people right. and right. like going full vigilante. And yeah. I mean, like, am I the only person who remembers that he lied to Abigail about not being married? Like, why is he considered a good guy and Henry Gowan is a terrible man? Like, I just don't understand. And I just, so when he, he like literally pulled a nuns from Sound of Music and stole the part from that guy's car. And then, and then he was like, well, you're going to have to be in jail for parking on the road for 24 hours, which is a totally made up rule that I just made up. And I'm going to put you in jail and, like what where is this he's i can't i just i was like i didn't think it was funny i was like he go he should be in jail i felt bad for this poor man i really i just was like they need to like send opal in and give him a hug or something it was oh, everyone needs an opal hug i know I think what's frustrating about these kinds of plots on the show is that they don't allow abigail to grow at all I mean, yeah. she just, she's just perfect. She solves everything. Like, why not have this kind of stew for a couple of episodes where she can't figure it out? She doesn't know the solution. and She can't make everything right by, you know, like, 
using her children to emotionally manipulate people. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like the character could be so much more interesting. And I think Lori Laughlin is up for the challenge, but they just, I really, really wish they hadn't made her mayor. I just think it's, I, I think she was way more interesting when she was just like a cafe owner and uh, then uh, as a mayor um and i don't know she's just like perfect all the time yeah so Ruth, I feel. you don't mind that um i don't know that's a hard one i think i think the idea is they want one character in the show to be the one that works there that, that's like basically saves everyone and does everything right and I think they also want to be very, uh, very forward thinking and having women in places of power like that. I know technically, I don't think that you, you would have ever had a mayor like that. I realize we're not historically accurate, but I think it does. I, I personally, I think it'd be more fun if someone else was mayor, like, uh, you know, if Lee was mayor or something like that, it might yeah. be be way better because you already have the moral center in elizabeth yeah. and so you don't need elizabeth and abigail to both be perfect like yeah every show kind of has their sort of moral center that, that the rest of them kind of you know you have your uh your your ted mosby's that everyone's kind of surrounding around and but for uh for this like i don't know we already have it we don't need it yeah so i agree that it's just there are no stakes at all in this show because every episode Abigail or Elizabeth will meddle and solve the problem. And it, it got even grander and worse when Abigail became mayor because she's not just solving like individuals problems. She like can just magically solve every problem that happens to the town. Like if there was a budget crisis, I'm pretty sure she would like magically find money. Yeah. By, by like sending her kids postcard to someone and being like, my child is so sweet. And it just, it, like you said, I think Lori Laughlin is better than that because she could add some nuance to that character. And also I think it makes Abigail irritating to me because I just can't believe that there is a person like that who is always right. And even if... Like, it doesn't make logical sense for things to go her way. They go her way. I mean, I just don't believe that the railroad would build the thing. Plus, it made me super irritated where they're like, oh, but our town won't grow and our kids want to live here and be happy and all that stuff. And they're literally taking a depot away from another town as well. So all of those arguments I'm sure could be made for Jameson or whatever. So it's just we're picking favorites, which is fine. But well, yes. I just, like if you, when you make it like, oh, but we want to build and be a happy community, that I feel like that's neutral. So where's the other benefit? Yeah, and I don't believe that Leland would really do what he did. Like I, I think that the railroad would like call his bluff, be like, yeah, right. Like you're going to really give up using the. You're really going to go back to horse and buggy and, and risk the success of the mill? It seemed like quite the claim. But anyway, it's supposed to just make you feel all good and positive because Cody saved the day. and So maybe right. we're just uh, bitter and, and mean. I don't know. 
Well, I think also it was now do remember there was a contract. It's I think contractually they were supposed to um, at least that that was no, my understanding. True. It I mean, is go ahead, go ahead. I'm just gonna say about the contract. Like they had a contract with Jeremy Gilba, okay? Like Gilbo. <laughs> he yeah. I guarantee you that any court of law would be like, um, this guy was is literally like a embezzler and attempted murderer. I don't think his word is very good. Yeah, that's true. Guys in the show. Yeah. And I think that that might be part of what we're sensing. It's like, where's the conflict? At least, at least we could always count on Gowan that you knew that there was always going to be something he'd mix things up and you know and even there was a time that Dottie mixed things up a bit you know yeah. I, I, I kind of I, I I'm I I know that it was it was there were there was a lot more conflict I mean I liked it when uh um Bill's uh ex-wife was in it I I, I really do oh, miss yeah. her I, I liked I, I liked I liked that conflict and I felt like that was never resolved. I mean, I know that's, that's probably, yeah. but, but I think that could be part of what we're missing. There is, there was really no major conflict that yeah. in this particular episode. Yeah. And, yeah. and Rachel and I were talking about this just as the show in general, I feel like almost all of the conflict in the show is, an external conflict except for with Henry because he's the only one who like has demons and struggles with them everyone else is just perfect um, so, so it's it's kind of hard to feel invested in any of the conflicts or problems because it's either like oh there's gonna be a flood and we have to get people so it's all basically always a physical action that needs to happen or someone just needs yeah. to make a physical decision and fix it yeah and, I like that. and it doesn't really allow the characters yeah. to explore themselves and grow from those experiences yeah. well that's why i was bummed to see julie kind of be to lose that because i thought that that was an interesting dynamic of her being like well wait a minute here why are you doing it this way and making is elizabeth kind of grow and and uh, and and realize that she was wrong and judged her sister and all that um mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I, I, I think that is a very valid point. I agree with you. You know, it's things like needing to build the babe, the baby crib, you know, it's like this, uh, it's not really a conflict. It's just like a project that they're working on, yeah. you know, kind of a thing or a person that they need to make happy. It's kind of like I, when I'm watching the show, I sort of feel like all the characters are just like playing Sims and they just need to do like this many things so they can build a a train depot and then yeah. they need to do like this many things so that they can then build a <laughs> hotel or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Agreed. Um, what so, do you think Ruth? Do you feel like we're off base? Are we too hard on it? Um, you, you both are probably harder on the show than I would be but that's because um, I guess I've seen shows enough I mean I'm thinking back to other Hallmark shows, especially. I mean, for me, when I, I, um, I know that it's easy to make the connection. Okay, you know, when we watch network shows, we see a lot of this and that and the other thing. But I'm thinking about other Hallmark shows because I've watched, mm -hmm. of course, all the Hallmark shows and mm -hmm. 
and um so i felt i guess that's why my, the way that i saw the episode was like i said at the beginning it's it was a filler episode i'm expecting more from the rest of the shows yeah maybe my expectations will be too high but i'm looking at this episode they've had other episodes i mean other hallmark shows especially where once in a while they throw in what I would call a filler show. Sure. There's a lot of fluff, yeah. a lot of fluff. And you know, network shows do it too. Sure. Once in a while you're watching a network show and there'll be a show that's thrown in and you think, where did that come from? Why did they even write yeah. that? That was like, okay, but, and then the next show, they hit things really hard. Yeah. So what I'm hoping is that maybe, and of course, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but yeah. it, I do know that a lot of the people, I mean, I know Paul Green was filming something, uh, Andrea Brooks was filming something. Oh, okay. um, I'm going to assume that, um, that uh, I just lost his name, um, that Gowan, um, what's was filming, name? Martin? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Martin Cummins, yeah. I'm assuming that he was probably filming, because I know that he's, when he was at uh, HFR, he was talking about how crazy it's been to go back and forth between Riverdale, because he's a, he's a, he's a uh, recurring character on Riverdale as well. Oh, okay. Well, now I have to forth. watch Riverdale. Oh, my God. You have not seen Riverdale? No. Oh. Don't even get me started on Riverdale. <laughs> That's my show. That's that is once you get pet all i do all i'll say is if you give riverdale a try and there are two former well i mean current there's one is a current currently on the show um lachlan monroe is also on the show who he's a very well-loved one in hallmark circles but also he was on one calls the heart um he was the film the movie director that came through oh yeah so he is on the show and um, do I see a Riverdale podcast in our future. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, depending on how things fell, they have to, the writers have to make adjustments. Yeah. And so maybe with that many people being gone, it made it, it made it kind of tough. You had three characters that were probably busy elsewhere and it was either postponed shooting, which it's a good thing they didn't do that because later on towards the end of the season, they had to postpone shooting for 10 days because one of the, one of the main characters was sick. Yeah. Wow. See, that's what's and so great about were, you, yeah. Ruth, is, is that you bring out that practical, practical side <laughs> of things. Uh, that's really good. Um, well, let's talk about the last storyline that we had. Um, so we have Ro Rosemary at the dress shop. And I thought, oh, was that going to be dropped? Um, yeah. Because, I just think, I would think that Elizabeth would be in there designing her dress. Uh, mm. So I was surprised to see it back. And, yeah. and so there's, the, she's made, Rosemary designed this dress, this blue dress. Mm. And there's this woman who is evidently like the poorest person in the whole world. She's so poor, loves this dress, and she keeps looking at the dress. And uh, what, do, what did you think about this plot line, um, Amber? Um, well, Rosemary... Pascal can just bring such life mm. to any plot line. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously, when you break this down, this plot line does nothing to the arcing storyline. It mm. didn't affect any of the other storylines that were happening in the episode. It was, it was literally just like a toss-away plot line. But it was mm. fun because of the way Pascal, um, Rosemary, was able to pull it off. 
Um, yeah. And and the, that's the thing about the Rosemary character is that she always is able to, she internalizes growth from no matter what she does. And you can just like see everything that happens in forming her character. Like, so at this point, you could see her, her love of fashion. It started out with her just being like, yay, I'm so great at designing dresses. And you could see it change from being, I want someone to wear my dress to being, I want this woman to have a lovely dress. Yeah. Um, which is what really made the storyline interesting. And, yeah. you know, it made us as the audience invested in wanting Wilma to get this beautiful dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. 100%. Very well said. Yeah. Okay. I, she, she, you know, takes something that's kind of selfish. You know, a lot of times that Rosemary starts kind of selfish and then she, and then she learns and she grows and, and that's what makes her interesting. And, uh, and, so yeah, so she decides to uh, start to to give this woman the pattern for the dress, and uh, and then it becomes this whole like new business that they're going to do. So they're going to sell the patterns, and then the the women can make their own dress, which was a pretty creative solution, I think, to this problem. Oh yeah. What did you think of this, um, Ruth? Oh yeah, this was probably by far my favorite storyline in the episode, but that's. Well, of course. I mean, I love Rosemary, so yeah. Rosemary and Lee. It's like you know, that's you know, that's always the thing. And and it was, and it was cute that she involved Lee. I mean, that was yeah. that was, and, and he was so Lee when he you know just gave me the car. It's like, oh yeah, you know, take you know, like take care of it or whatever it was that yeah. he said. Or yeah, I mean it. But 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 it was so neat. And you know, as you guys were talking about Rosemary, she is the character that has grown so exponentially in the series yeah. and she continues yeah. to grow and i think that's why people make such a connection with her because she is continuing to do that real that you know, that really uh she she is growing so much because you think of where she was in season one when mostly everybody hated her right and um then growing into this character that now everybody loves and you know and she she it was neat to see that she had a heart and you knew she did i mean you've been seeing little little snippets i mean however whether it's uh whether it's just really good writers i mean somehow they've got they i, I think that it, i think it's a good collaboration because yeah. you have the writers and you have rosemary and then of course lee you have them really connecting with the material and just just bringing uh, like you like like you, you guys were saying they can really do a lot with just this very simple storyline that yeah that, yeah yeah, she, yeah. And she's like a problem solver she uh you know she just won't like other people are like just let it go just let it go and she's like no i can't i can't i can't i gotta solve it i gotta figure it out yeah. which i like yeah. you can relate to yeah, and, and the way Rosemary, because Rosemary does always solve things. And if you guys pay attention, Rosemary is always right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Thing. yeah. But the way that she's always right is she goes and actually finds people who have the skills and the talents to make the things happen. So, like, in this situation, she, she didn't just recognize, like, oh, I made this great dress. I need to convince the husband to let her buy it. She realized... Mrs. Lawson has this great talent. She can do this, so I can. We can work it out this way. 
Um, well, I mean, she's not perfect in the sense that like everything that she does is, is, is right in, cause like it was probably the wrong thing to do to sell the woman, the dress, but she's perfect in the sense that she figures it out. She, she, you know, she's a problem solver. And I think that we can all kind of relate to that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that uh, she might not make the first choice right or the second choice, but she's going to figure it out and it's going to be okay in the end. This look at this newspaper and yeah. we find out, oh my gosh, the Mounties encounter resistance in Northern territories. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And then of course they, like you said, Ruth, they tell us, oh, Jack's coming back. So I know, you know I know. That was weird. That was very weird. Yeah. Well, oh. it's, I mean, personally, I think it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, nothing against Aaron Krakow, but I don't know why they let her tell that, that, you know, oh, the wedding's happening. You know, right. why, why say anything? Yeah. Just let the Hardys find it out. I mean, you mm-hmm. had the inkling that, okay, it's going to happen this season. I mean, you, I mean, you kind of knew that was going to happen, but I, I think in some ways, that particular spoiler that she allowed that they allowed her to say in so many ways kind of kind of makes it almost anticlimactic yeah it is i think i even saw aaron krakow tweet out like thanks for ruining the cliffhanger you know guys like years or whatever i think i remember one of them oh yeah one of them tweeted something like that so yeah it was weird um there was some kind of miscommunication between marketing and and the show yeah. uh yeah. so yeah so amber have at it let's talk about this newspaper okay so first of all like you guys said yeah okay like like jack's in trouble forget it and then also the newspaper says august 10th 1915 and my face turned to flames and i ripped all of the furniture out of my house and no I'm exaggerating obviously <laughs> but I was so mad because if it is taking place August 10th 1915 that means Canada has been involved in World War One for over a year at this point and I am furious that they are just ignoring this huge part of history that was a big deal in Canada. They're trying to make me believe that the people of Hope Valley care more about this Mountie fighting than the Great War. It's the Great War. And, And then it just spiraled out of control to being like, if they have made us so far into the future of One Calls the Heart that we're in 1915, why did they send Jack off to this lame mounty fight when he could have been off to the war which would have been a more reasonable reason for him to leave elizabeth and would have been real interesting and we could have had all of that interesting stuff that happens with the war and and the way that you know nationalism is inspired during world war one and and all that stuff and I just, I, I'm just furious that they, they dropped it. And the only way I can reconcile it is that this must be taking place in an alternate universe where World War One hasn't happened because it's insane to me that they did not include this. Yeah, because there's so much drama that you could have used. Like, they could be, like, you could have Elizabeth being in charge of, like, making bandages, you know, for the troops or, I don't know, whatever. Like, you could have so many plot lines that could come off of the war 
And, uh, and so, yeah, I don't understand this, this choice. It's very weird. Wow. Ruth, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I, and, and that one, I know people have asked for, well, as long as I've been interviewing people, I know they've been asked, how are they going to handle world war one? Well, I guess this they're is just going to ignore it. <laughs> and, and I guess the only, I guess the only reason they're doing that is in my opinion would probably be that that i guess they have so many plot lines going on already i think if they tried to add that in it would probably i mean i, I mean i can see how it would work but there would be a lot of people who they don't they don't want to they, they want to come and watch a show where where the wars like that don't happen and yeah. you don't have i mean i mean I'm not saying it's right necessarily, but I do remember interviewing an actor that he actually played a bad guy. He was at, he actually played a bad guy. He played the bad Mountie. Um, oh, in, okay. I think it was like season one or something. In fact, he said that he wanted to come back and, and set Hope Valley on fire. That's what he really wanted to do. <laughs> this character. He said, I'd really like to come back if they'll bring me back and I could set Hope Valley on fire. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's funny. It was great. Um, But he said that what you have to remember about When Calls the Heart is that this is not historically accurate. This is like what you would see on a postcard. Think of a Hallmark postcard, what you want to have seen Uh on that postcard. You don't want war. You don't want all these, uh, you know, all the really serious bad things that are happening because most people that come to watch the show are trying to somewhat escape all the bad yeah. things. Yeah, kind of boring, like because I don't know the postcard version isn't that interesting to me. Uh, but, True. Uh, but and and I feel like there's not that big a difference between Jack going off and fighting some mounty thing versus going off to war. Like I don't know, it's one thing to like have have bad hairstyles but to ignore an entire entire worldwide conflict is but but you know some people probably say we're nitpicking but anyway it was worth at least bringing up and who knows maybe they'll like mention it in passing or something like that um and we will uh, we'll get something uh about it but anyway so that that was that was it and uh, so that was the episode. I think we pretty much covered everything. This week on the podcast, uh, you want to check out, we have an interview with Andrew Books that's going to post on Monday, and so you want to check that out. And then also we have on our normal episode, we were going to be talking about some of our favorite Hallmark movies, because it's kind of an off week, so we're just going to be picking four and talking about them. And uh, we just did a, a episode on Hallmark Movies Now, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And uh, so... Thanks so much uh, for joining us, Ruth. We re- always really appreciate it. Oh, hey, I'm happy to. Well, and speaking of that Hallmark Movies Now podcast, I have not seen it yet because I saw you post it today. But I thought, but I figure, hey, if people are looking for movies, if they're really needing those yeah, Hallmark movies, that's true. Uh, actually, we have we use Hallmark Movies Now. That's that's become my mom is my mom is addicted to Hallmark Movies. Now. <laughs> she is definitely it's like she watches one right after the other and she's always going through it and and so that's a way to fill it up if you if you if you miss those hallmark movies there's a lot of good stuff out there 
So. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Check out the podcast and then that's right. And then check, check out, out the app. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so Ruth, where can people find you? You can find me on my website, which is mydevotionalthoughts.net. And you can find me on social media on um, on on Twitter and Instagram. It's Ruth Hill74. And on Facebook. You can find, if you look up my devotional thoughts, you'll find my Facebook page and, you know, I am on there personally too. I don't mind if people, you know, people look me up. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find on, on Facebook. I, I'm, I'm easy to find. Just, just look for the person that continues to post about Hallmark over and over and over and, and, and retweet everything that if, if you want to know what Hallmark tweeted out, I'm retweeting it all. So. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, so Amber, where can people find you? Um, as always, people can find me. I'm at Amber Brainwaves on Twitter and that's it. Awesome. Great. And you can find me at Smiling LDS Girl on social media and at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and YouTube. Uh, check it out. I do family movie night every Sunday uh, where I give a family friendly movie recommendation. Well, let us know in the comment section and on Twitter what you think of this episode and what we had to say about it. Please give us your feedback. We'd love it. And uh, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.